0: to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, you bring a Bible this morning? All right, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 this morning, we're going to talk more about the kingdom of God. Change your mindset a little bit more today. And that phone rang to remind me to tell you to turn off your cell phones, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, whoever did that. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, are you there? All right, look at verse 19. It says, now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Notice, as you start to read your Bible with more and more, or the constitution of the kingdom with more and more of a kingdom mindset, some things will register to you that didn't register to you before when you read it before. Here it says that we are fellow citizens. Say, "Our fellow citizens. Notice this verse was written in the present tense. In other words, right now, you are, if you're born of the kingdom of God, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God right now. Say right now. now. If that's true, that means that all the privileges and all the rights of the kingdom already belong to you when? Right Right now. They all belong to you right now. We were taught in religion a lot of times that everything was just going to be... We hope it works out until we die, and then we get to heaven. Then everything's going to be all right, because we are going to be citizens in the kingdom of heaven and part of the kingdom of heaven. But when you got born into the kingdom of God, you are already a citizen of a country that's real. You just can't see it, and that country is heaven itself. So you're a citizen of it. You have privileges there. You have benefits there, and they belong to you, and they belong to you right now. Now, if you're ignorant of the benefits of the kingdom and of your citizenship, chances are you will not partake in them. That's why the kingdom of God has to be preached so you can understand what actually belongs to you, what doesn't belong to you, what you can receive. How many know you can remain ignorant of anything and never receive it in the world? We don't even have to talk about spiritual things. If you don't know about it, then then you're not going to do it. I mean, there, there was a long time ago when, when I was working uh, at a job in radio where I was making hardly any money. Then I got a job in the post office. Not once I went from like $17,000 a year, which I know sounds like a lot to most of you. And the next year I made like thirty-two thousand dollars a year. Well, I had to pay taxes on that thirty-two. And I had a friend who was an accountant. And the accountant says, You don't have to pay all those taxes. You can basically average your income. I said, Average your income? He said, Yeah. You can take three years and average them. So if you made 17, 16, then thirty-two, you can average them over a three year period and only pay for like twenty-two. Well, I didn't know that. How many of you know I would have paid full if I remained ignorant of the thing that belonged to me? And it's the same way with kingdom citizens. Most of us who got born of the kingdom of God weren't told us of the rights and privileges. So most of us have lived ignorant of the things that already belong to us. Number one, you are right now a citizen. The Bible says healing belongs to you. Wealth belongs to you. Righteousness belongs to you. Peace belongs belongs to you these aren't things we got to make it through life die and then go to heaven to get these are things that were given to you as a benefit of entering the kingdom of God they are your right and privilege to walk in those things now how many know you have sometimes fight to keep those things that belong to you but there's a big difference between keeping what belongs to you and and trying to get what belongs to you because if you try to get what belongs to you God can't give it to you because he already did So then you get mad at God because he's not giving you what you think he should be giving you, and he already knows he gave it to you, so he can't give it to you because you've already got it. Get the tape, praise God. (laughs) So that's why we preach the kingdom of God. We want to know our rights. We want to know our citizens. We want to know our benefits. Go to Romans chapter 12. Good atmosphere in here this morning. And we're glad you're here, praise God. Let me tell you that. We are glad you're here. All right, Romans chapter 12, very familiar again. Look at verse 2. It tells you to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now notice, it doesn't say the changing of your conduct. It says the renewing of your mind. Because you're not going to change your conduct until you renew your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Now this, of course, is written by the Apostle Paul. Paul spent a lot of time helping people change their thought life because they were mixed up in understanding and misconceptions of things because they were raised in the world and then came into the kingdom of God, two different places. You were raised in the kingdom of darkness, and in that time you were taught and you understood things that became misconceptions for you, and you thought those misconceptions were right So you based your life on a misconception, and it hasn't been working out ever since. So here he says you've got to change the way you think about social problems, the way you think about cultural problems, the way you think about relationship problems, because the people back then had problems. How many know the people today also have problems, the same problems that they have? So to live in the kingdom of God, there's some things you need to do, but there's some things you need to stop doing and then do something else. So Paul's trying to say you cannot be conformed to this world. You must be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you must get rid of misconceptions. Say misconceptions. And I'll tell you, misconceptions are big because they've cost people their marriage. They've cost people relationships. They've had church breakups over simple misconceptions that people were taught and people believed. Even friendships are dissolved because of that. Why is that? Because there's an idea that came to you at a young age. You saw it worked out. You believed it. And now it really becomes real to you. Even though it's a lie, you'll fight for it because you think it's the truth. Are you following me? I mean, you may have somebody who's a young girl, and basically she's in a family, and all at once her dad starts working late every night, and instead of working late every night, he's having an affair, and they find out about it later on, then she gets married, and she has a husband, and all at once he comes home and says, hey, honey, they want me to work late. Uh And hers isn't, whoopee, you're going to make more money. Hers is, do you really got to work? Yeah, I got to work. Do you really got to work? Yeah, I got to work. So all at once, start coming home late from work. What do you think she's thinking? Come on. Now, where did she get that? She got it from a misconception of something that came into her life. That's the way it was. So she believes that. He's working late. He's having an affair. I'll tell you that. I don't care how much. He's probably borrowing the money to make it look like he's making more money, but he is having an affair in this situation. So you get a misconception taught to you. You can believe it, and you can fight for it. How about what we're dealing with now, you know, even in the government? Women. My body, my choice. How many know that's a misconception? But how I many you know people will fight for it? They will picket for it. They will kill for it because they believe the lie so much that they'll fight every inch to try to keep the misconception that they've been given and that they hold on to. Well, believe it or not, some of us have had misconceptions. Thank you for the four people that responded yes to that. Yeah, we were all raised with misconceptions. We were all raised about our money. It's my money. It's my possessions. It's my house. And when you get in the kingdom of God, you want absolutely nothing. It's all God's, everything God owns. God gives it to you to be faithful with and, and to do things with, and basically that's what it's there for. So how many know that's going to have to shift, ain't it? Now I'm going to have to shift about my, 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 and understand that it was a gift from God the whole time. It's not my money, basically. People in the church say, well, I don't have to forgive them because they don't deserve it. I mean, know that's a misconception. Yeah. Jesus did not say, well, you've got to forgive 70 times 70 unless they deserved it. See, it's not in the Bible, but that's what you were taught. Again, it's a misconception. Uh, Spare the rod, spoil your child. Not in the Bible. Spare the rod, hate your child. So the government comes along and says you can't spank your kid. Everybody says, well, I'll just let, let them grow up being spoiled. And no, you're actually hating your child. Come on, because you're not conditioning them to do it. So all these are misconceptions that can come into our life through the world that we've got to get rid of once we get in the kingdom of God. Most of them are believed, basically, and we will even fight for our misconceptions. So before we got born again, we got contaminated, if you would, in our thinking and the way that people do different things. All right, go to John chapter 16. All right, John chapter 16, look at verse 13. It's in red. Jesus says, "Howbeit, it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, how many know he was trying to make the point that the Holy Spirit's a he here? Just saying. Trying to make a point here. Not a bubble, not a wind. It's a he. Praise God, he's a he. Notice, but he will lead us and guide us into what? all truth. So what's the Holy Spirit come? Father God knew we were going to have problems when we got born in the kingdom of God because the world was going to contaminate our thinking. So he gave us somebody who knows the truth and the way God thinks, and that person is the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of you. You have the Holy Ghost. What's he doing in you? He's trying to straighten out your concepts to be God concepts, So that you believe the truth rather than the lie, and you live in victory every single day of your life. So he's working on the way that you think. He wants you to know all truth. Say all truth. truth. Notice, not just some or a few. He wants us to rediscover in our lives the things that we lost years ago when Adam failed, basically. So we're going back to that where we have a God mindset. When we thank God, God, we act like God. We have his ideas. We have his opinions. We treat money the way you're supposed to treat money. We treat people the way God would treat people. We're lining up with God in all these areas of the kingdom of God. Now, one of the belief systems that we've been trained and misconstrued in is something called religion. Say religion. religion. And I mean, once you get in the kingdom of God and you start studying the word of God and your mind starts to change, you're going to get around other Christians and you're going to find out that some of them are very religious religious. And before you didn't notice it, but now you just want to punch them right in the nose when they say certain things. You know, God moves in mysterious ways. You never know what God's going to do. What are these all religious things that we were taught and that we're in, so what if we just excuse everything? Well, Well, you got hit by a truck. Well, God moves in mysterious ways. You know. Always got, all things work together for good for those who do. Well, you didn't work together for good. You got hit by a truck, for gosh sakes. Come on now. So what are we doing? We got to change the way that we think on these stuff. We were taught that when you got born again, what did you get? Heaven. Now you just hold on, brother. Hold on to your next 60 years and try to make it through because when you die, you're going to go to heaven. But born again has something to do with heaven, but it has mostly to do with entering a kingdom where heaven is a byproduct of entering in the kingdom of God. So if you're just born again, praise God, that's great. But all that gives you is heaven, basically. You'll never try to change. You'll never make the adjustment. You'll not understand why things are working out because you don't understand. You've now become a citizen of another country with better benefits, with better morals, with better everything that you entered into, and you can receive from heaven rather than from the earth. I mean, if you've got to live by what the earth gives you, you're in trouble. So we want something supernatural. We want something spiritual we can tap into. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, all that belongs to us. Praise God. Hallelujah. A lot of times Christianity was just like working here on the earth until you died, retired, and went to heaven. Because then you got everything you wanted. And that's that's the thought life we got down. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to work, get married, work, make money, support my family, retire, die, and go to heaven. What's your life going to be like? Well, I'm going to get married. I'm going to work. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to retire. I'm going to die and go to heaven. And that's what we were taught to do. That's what our parents did. That's what our grandparents did. And if they got to the age of 80 and still had some money left and were still half happy, then they thought they were successful in what they did. But that's not successful in the kingdom of God because we're called with a purpose in the kingdom of God and principles in the kingdom of God that we are supposed to line up to, basically, so that we bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth Realm, praise God. Hallelujah. So you're born again. Say, I'm born again. I'm born again. Say, I live, I live in, the in the kingdom of God. Say, I have access, I have access by, the by the Spirit to kingdom benefits. kingdom benefits. And i notice this isn't after you die. We're not talking about that. When you, when you die and go to heaven, you ain't going to need power anymore. Amen. You ain't going to be casting out any devils there. In that song that we sing, uh, for a greater level, you know that song we just think, I keep thinking they should have said, and a defeated devil.
1: Come on, it would have rhymed in
0: everything. What are they doing? What they put in there didn't even rhyme. Give me a break. That would have been perfect, wouldn't it? Jeez. You know, before they release these songs, they really need to come to me. I could straighten their song out a little bit before they did it, praise God. Hallelujah. So, glory to God. Here's another one that's been in religion for a year. Don't worry, because God is in control of everything. Well, then why did he give me authority? Why did he put me here? Why didn't he just come and do it himself, see? So what can they do? They can blame everything on God. And that's a misconception that's tough to break. I've lost people who liked me because of that. Because they found out that it wasn't. And you show it to them in the Bible, it it doesn't even matter. When you've got a a strong misconception, you can show it to them line upon line, precept upon precept, and they don't care because that's what they were told, praise God. That's the way Grandma believed it, and that's the way I'm going to believe it because it's locked in, and it's a misconception that you have there, and you won't let it go. You won't release it. You won't. There's a lot of people right now in denominations who don't even go to that denomination anymore, but they're still part of that denomination, don't even like that denomination, but they're that denomination because that's the way they were raised, growed up, and that's who they are. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I may be a Catholic, but I'm a bad Catholic. That's what Jesse always says. I'm still a Catholic. I'm just a bad one. He never goes to Catholic church and doesn't believe what they believe. But once a Catholic, all a Catholic. And these things in our mind, we hang on to and we keep and we hold them there. And we learned them, you know. That's what we did. We learned them when we were younger, and those misconceptions are there. So here's the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Say, on the inside of you. And he's in here speaking to you from here, not from here. He's trying to rid this and speak up through you in here. And the more you spend time in the word, say, in the word. In the word. Listen, if you don't spend time in the Word, you're not going to change any misconceptions whatsoever. I can't do it in, in 45 minutes on Sunday morning. I can inject a seed, but you're the one that has to water that seed and explode that thing out of your mind so that you line up with kingdom things. Praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 18. When I got in, basically, in the ministry, I had pastors from Oliver coming, telling me how to be a pastor. Well, I didn't know nothing, so at one time I was forty-two different pastors on Sunday morning, not knowing which one I was supposed to be that Sunday, because they had they had something set up the way you're supposed to do things. I went to a school that tried to pattern me: stand behind the pulpit, do not move. That irritates people. Start with a good joke. So I had to buy a joke book. (laughs) Heck with the Bible! Heck with the Bible! I got me a joke book. That's the way I start. Don't chew gum; you'll spit. Don't ever shout. You know, all these things I was taught in Bible college that really had nothing to do with the kingdom of God whatsoever. Even the things they taught me to teach had nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Praise God. They taught me about faith. Do your best to believe God to get this. And then I found in the Bible I already got this. So why should I be, I need faith to to believe I got what I got already. Not so God gives it to me. See, all these things have changed. Your prayer life will change. All you prayed for is things you want up till now. How about praying with things he wants and then you'll get what you want. But I don't do that to get what I want. Come on now, there's another motive, got to be hit and knocked out of you. Well, I'm going to do that, so he does that. No, you're doing that because you need to do that, because he knows best in your life. He's God, and he's got a plan for you. And when you fulfill that plan, you won't care about what you wanted in the earth realm after that. Praise God. All right, Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse 3. Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Notice, little children. Say little children. All right, so when I get born again, basically, i got to start all over. i got to know nothing. Anything I learned up to this point probably isn't right. i got to start all over, and i got to start changing the line up exactly like the Bible tells me to. Now, when you have a little child, like we just had two grandchildren, when you have a little grandchild, they're basically like a blank page in here. They don't know anything. They don't come in here knowing 2 plus 2 is 4. They don't come in here knowing fear. They don't come in here knowing worry. They are taught that or misconstrued in that area. So they're a blank page. So they just believe whatever you tell them, they'll believe. Are you following me? And we've got to be that way because what we want to do, we want to read the Scripture and argue with it. Boy, getting quiet in here now. Praise God. Remember, the, remember Peter? i got to forgive seven times? Is that good enough? God says seven times 70. Peter says, no, I think seven. (laughs) Now that I thought about it, I think seven's probably about the limit. No, he couldn't do that. He wanted to. He wanted to argue about it, but you can't do that. So you've got to make, pretty soon you see in here, forgive all. And you're thinking, well, I'll forgive all except for Judy, Susie, and Jean. (laughs) So that's all I'm going to forgive. Is that what that means? No, that's not what that means. That means forgive all, praise God including those three, whoever I said they were, praise God. That's what you do. So you have to forgive them also. You have to make the adjustment. You're a little child. If that's what you're told to do as a little child, that's what you do. So not only as a little child, all they do is learn. We've got the problem of unlearning and then relearning. In other words, some things that we've got, we've we've got to get rid of. We've got to to take away from us. the I just want to work hard and, and make a bunch of money and do this. If you pursue the kingdom, you won't have to worry about that anymore because all these things will be Added unto you. But how many know it's hard to let go? Mm -hmm. I'm trusting God. But I'm working 32 hours a day, eight days a week, and I'm trusting. No, you're not trusting God. Trusting God comes to a place, and I'm going to throw this out there. It's a little early, but you're trusting God when you come to a place where you're not worrying in that area. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, worry has basically become a banner in the church. If you're worrying, you're the most caring person in the whole world. No, you're the most sad person in the whole world. Because worrying just messes up your mind. It just wears and tears on you. It causes stress on you, probably causes sickness on you and everything else. Worry is not of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells you not to be troubled, it tells you not to worry. So, and how many know, but you do and just don't care about it anyway. I mean, you see somebody out there and they're drunk on the street, you say, sinner. Then you go home and worry about your finances all night long, and nobody can come up to you and say, sinner, because they can't read your mind. Nobody knows you're doing it. You can worry in secret. Nobody knows it. Just don't talk or you'll definitely reveal it, what you're thinking. So don't say anything. But see, that shouldn't be there as long as we're trusting God. So we're going to become like little children. What are we going to do? Basically, as little children, we're going to be taught again. We're going to learn again. We're going to change the way we think. When situations and circumstances come, we're not going to freak out. Bible says tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the, we just walk right through those things, praise God. We keep our peace. We keep our joy. We keep our power. We go forward. Keeps us clear thinking, and we walk in a kingdom perspective. Now, how many know people that don't understand kingdom are going to think you're nuts? Of course they are. But we're supposed to be a peculiar people. And we've got a lot of peculiar people in here, praise God. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, peculiar. Peculiar people, praise God. Hallelujah. Let me give you an example. Remember the rich young ruler. Jesus comes up to the rich young ruler, Rich young ruler, what, what can I do to, to be in the kingdom of God and receive for the fullness of the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, you've got to obey the commandments. He said, I do that. I obey the commandments. I'm rich and everything's going good for me. What do I have to do? And Jesus says, sell all you have and give to the poor. And the rich young ruler says, I wish I wouldn't ask that question. Yeah, what was he doing? He was just showing him, you're doing good, but there's one thing, one misconception, and that misconception is you think you've got to take care of yourself and supply your needs. If you give all that away and see that I can supply all your needs, I'll take away that self-sufficiency. Say it, self-sufficiency. Tell you, this is a biggie, self-sufficiency. He says, if you get rid of the self-sufficiency that's in your life, which was a misconception, then you can enter into the kingdom further and even get more from the kingdom of God. Praise God. So how many know he didn't like that answer? And so Jesus goes on and he says, my God, how hard it is for people who are rich. Why? Because they're going to trust themselves and their riches. Now, here's the problem. If you switch and get off self-sufficiency, the thing is you may end up rich. And if you end up rich, you've got to make sure you don't transfer back to self-sufficiency because you're rich rather than trusting him. Are you following me? So people say, well, poor people got it tough. So do rich people. People say, I ain't got no money. That's hard. When you get a bunch of money, it's still hard. You've got to know what to do with the money. God weighs, and you, you want to line it up, because how many know that's God's money? When I found out that the money that I had was God's money, I got very protective of the money. Amen. Why? Because not my money. It's God's money. And I'm going to be held accountable. Yep. See, most Christians are in debt because they don't know how to manage anything. No. So you don't know how to manage their money. I'm not making enough. No, you're spending too much. You know, I mean, if you've got a credit card, don't charge anything you can't pay for the next day. I got to get out of here. Can I make somebody mad? It's my fault. Should have never went there. Praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter six. Now I'm meddling, ain't I? Hallelujah. That's what I'm supposed to do—is meddle. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter six. Look at verse thirty-one. It says, therefore, take no thought or worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Whither all shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are added unto. So here it tells you, if you truly seek the kingdom of God, you will never worry about these kind of things. Are you following me? If you're worrying about these kind of things then you're not seeking the kingdom first you're still seeking these things first and that's why you're worrying about these things so worry basically is accepted in the church worship uh worrying is basically worshiping yeah. worshiping things because you have to have things and let me let me just tell you about things for a little bit while we're on while you brought me on that subject. <laughs> the bible tells you to be an enemy of the world it tells you not to love the world or the things in the world and here's why Because if you go after things, you'll never be happy. Ever. Because here's the thing. If you want something and are seeking it with your whole heart and don't get it, you'll live in discouragement. If you seek it with your whole heart and get it, you'll live in disappointment because it didn't bring you the happiness you thought it was going to bring anyway. So you keep going from disappointment to discouragement, to discouragement, to disappointment, to discouragement, to to discouragement, discouragement, and you're all mixed up. You don't know anything until you put your sights on the kingdom of God and God himself and make those things later on and put the world aside. Say the world aside. Notice, be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Of what? We got to be about kingdom things, kingdom citizen things, kingdom things. So yesterday I'm i going to put this in. We played a little golf tournament. They had a golf tournament for the Ohio State people, and we went and they had a scramble, and we played, and I stunk, but that was all right because I got to play, praise God. <laughs> so we played golf, and it was over with, and afterwards we were having hors d'oeuvres at a little restaurant. We said, okay, never been to that restaurant before, never got there before. So we got there to get hors d'oeuvres, and we sat down to eat, and all at once when we got in there, they had some waitresses who were different, Pe- very peculiar. In other words, I think they were short of money because they were having trouble buying clothes. So I get in there, and here they're walking around. their way. I mean, they're nice people and everything, and nobody really noticed. I don't, I don't think anybody noticed but me, you know what I mean? Because the rest of them aren't, aren't really plugged into kingdom and all that kind of stuff. So they're walking around and stuff everywhere, and, you know, they're waiting on us and all that kind of stuff. So what does a kingdom citizen do? He goes out to his car and gets some books. I mean, if anybody needed a book, <laughs> it's not specifically covered any chapter, but the whole gist should do something. So I went out and got some books, started handing them out to the people who were there and everything else, and, you know, what else could it do, you know? The hors d'oeuvres were there, we were there, we were supposed to be there at that time, so it was something different. But a kingdom doesn't freak out. Oh my God, all oh, you guys are going to hell. I could have jumped up on the table and said, you're all going to hell, and after they'd have thrown me out, hopefully before I paid the tab. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we deal with things differently. We think differently. We do think. I mean, they brought a lady to Jesus in adultery, and he didn't throw the book at her. If he'd had my book, he'd have gave it to her. Yeah. He came too quick. He was before my time. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So notice, what worrying does is shows you that you're not trusting and you're not living in kingdom things, basically, because you're worrying. Now, listen to what Bible. Bible. Well, let's just read it. Mar- Matthew 6, look at verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon this earth where moth and rust does corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust does corrupt, where thieves do not break in and steal. Notice, there's no robberies going on in heaven. You don't need a security system in heaven. You don't have to hire a private detective to guard your stuff in heaven because nothing's going on up there. So when I'm dealing with heavenly stuff and it's God's stuff, I don't have to worry about somebody stealing what belongs to me because it's God's stuff. And even if somebody does steal it, they probably need it. He's probably going to give you twice as much back anyway. Praise God. You see, it's a whole total different way of thinking. It's a different way of looking. It's that self-sufficiency that has to go. And like I said, in my life, self-sufficiency went out the door when I couldn't possibly (laughs) self-sufficient. When I got to a place I was so deep that that rich aunt couldn't help me, great-grandma couldn't come up with another money, the bank wouldn't even look at me, so praise God, I had one choice, trust God. And some people say, in that situation, I had to trust God. Others say, I got to trust God. And your situation, depending on what you think and what you feel, will show up in your life and on your face. How many know you can still live in righteousness, peace, and joy, even when you're going through some things? How many ever go through some things? Just me, probably. Oh, there's some other people out here that run into some things. What a shocker. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. I don't know why I'm having tribulation here in this world. Revelation. You're going to have it. But notice what Jesus said, I have overcome, I've overcome the world, praise God. Well, if he overcome? because he was a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, full of the spirit of God, that I'm the same person, praise God, and I can overcome every tribulation that comes my way. But you can't pray tribulation to stay away from you because it's going to come because you're in this world. It just happens. It's just a way of life. But we live in victory over those things. We don't go under those things. We don't get depressed. We don't get down and out. We don't do that. Notice, inflation's going wild in the earth right now, but it ain't touching my stuff in heaven. I never got a bulletin from the Holy Ghost. Inflation up 10% in heaven this this morning only. Pull your money out. (laughs) No, it's not up there in heaven. Heaven's doing fine up there. They're not being affected by anything going on here in the earth realm. Praise God. All right, go to Philippians chapter 3. All right, Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 20. My King James says, For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, 20, for our conversation. Anybody else have a different translation? Our citizenship. Say citizenship. citizenship. That word is citizenship. So notice, now he's talking to the church people, and he's saying our citizenship is not from this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. 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 You're already a citizen of heaven heaven. Look to heaven for help. Look to heaven for resources. Look to heaven for those things. So he says our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here in earth. When Adam was created, Adam, you know, was put together with some dirt, blew the life in him. He was here on the earth. He was here to rule and reign the earth, but he came from heaven. He came from the inside of God. So he was a citizen on a place called earth, which was a colony of heaven, basically, but his citizenship was in heaven. But he lost that citizenship when he disobeyed God. That's why we must live in obedience to the word so that we don't hinder our citizenship. You can be a citizen of of the U.S. and rob a bank and go to jail. You're still a citizen. But how many know a lot of the privileges you had are history? You're stuck in there until you got out because you're locked up, but you're still a citizen. So we don't want to disobey, we want to walk in line with the kingdom by studying the laws of the kingdom of God, applying them to our life, and all these things basically so that we learn more and more and more. And notice, Jesus came here basically of a a citizen from heaven. He was sent here, the son of God. He was a citizen of heaven, but he was sent into the colony of earth. Just like one of us, he had authority, he had power, he had everything he did. Now notice how Jesus acted because that's the way you're supposed to act. That's the whole thing. Demons never scared him. A storm never bothered him. Pestilence didn't bother him. A leper comes down. He didn't run for cover. Hi, what do you got? Lepers say, oh my God. Don't come in our church. Somebody might get it. No, he was basically a Superman sent from a different country into the earth realm With power and authority to rule into the earth realm. Well, when you got born back into the kingdom of God and you live here in the earth, you are now a super man or woman sent here with power and authority that you've got right now, not to take to heaven. God don't want your power and authority up there. You ain't going to do nothing when you get up there. You're not going to run into any devils up there. You're not going to have financial issues when you get up there. But here on the earth, you're already put here as a superman or a superwoman, and you're here now with the power and authority because you have a connection to heaven. So what do I want to do? I want to obey him the best that I can, the best that I know, and I don't remain ignorant of what actually belongs to me. The Bible says, forget not all his benefits. Now, that doesn't mean we get those benefits when we die and go to heaven. That means we have those benefits now. You are healed now. You are saved now. You're full of power now. You're anointed now. Why? Because I'm a citizen, and this helped me to believe. Now, for years I was told, believe, 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 and I was doing my best to believe. I was confessing and confessing and thinking and meditating and thinking and thinking, but when I got the concept of citizenship, I didn't have to believe for 15 years that I could get a license when I was 16. I can get a license. 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 No, I just knew that that was my right, and my privilege at 16, so I just went and I got a license. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. These things belong to you because you're a citizen, because of your position, because of who you are. Not necessarily where you've got to build up this great faith by confessing the word and doing everything to do it. It already belongs to you. The only thing is it's a spiritual thing, isn't it? Well, guess what? You're spiritual. You're a spiritual being. Well, it's hard being a spiritual being living in this world. What? No, it's not. It's easy living in here because you have all the advantages that nobody else has because you're hooked to heaven and you're a citizen of heaven itself. So you don't want to think of yourself as an earthly citizen, as even a United States citizen per se only, because it limits you to tap into only earthly resources, only earthly help. And you don't need earthly help. You need supernatural help. And the Holy Ghost will lead and guide you into how much truth? All All truth. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Right, Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 11. It tells you to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are definitely evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, words in excess, but be filled with someone called the Holy Ghost. So I want to stay filled with the Holy Ghost, and I know we preach power and all that stuff, true, but being filled with the Holy Ghost basically is what helps you get rid of your misconceptions on the inside of you. When you're filled with the Spirit and thinking about spiritual things, you'll hear the Spirit of God's voice loud and clear and be able to make the adjustments like love not the world nor the things in the world. And you'll see when you're starting to gravitate something in the world rather than spiritual things. So basically you have to wake. Here it says awake. Say wake up. up. How many know the church needs to wake up? Christians need to wake up to the kingdom of God and what's going on. Now, notice what happens. When you do this, when you pursue the kingdom of God, he says he'll shine his light upon you. Light in the Bible is wisdom, knowledge, and revelation. So once you pursue the kingdom of God, he starts to change things in your life. He's going to start changing your life just a little bit at a time in different areas of your life. And you'll even be able to redeem the time that you messed up before. Now, well, that was good to me because I wasted 30 years of my life. But I think I've redeemed a lot of those back, praise God, by now, which is good. Because God, so what's God going to do? The Holy Spirit's going to start showing you things. He's going to show you how to organize your schedule. He's going to show you how to dictate the company you spend with different people, the time you spent with them. Not only who you spend it with, but how much time you spend it with. See, there are all things that are going to be changed in your life. He's going to show you the vision for your life. But the problem is he barely ever shows you the steps of how to get there. He shows you the end from the beginning. Then he walks you through as you follow his ways and make the adjustments. Step here, step there until you get to the vision that he did. He's going to show you why certain things happened in your life. I know why I ended up in the post office for 28 years. Because I had my own ministry. I had 632 people that I delivered mail to every day for 15 years. Got to know their name, their kids, their addresses, their problems, their difficulties, their everything else. And it was like running a church with a postal uniform on. You see what I mean? And was, was I was running into problems every day out there. They'd come to me when they had their problems. What was I doing? Practicing. And as you can see, when you move in as a pastor, you dress so much better than a postal uniform. Nice flashy cozy. Thank you. Thank you over there. That's right. Yeah. So what was I doing? I can see it now. I don't know why I was in there. I'm thinking, I'm in the post office. Why am doing the post office? I don't want to do it here. But what was I doing? I was being taught and learned. See, some of you in your job are so angry at your job and hate it so bad you're not even learning, and therefore you are being in a job the next 30 years wondering and don't understand that they, he was training you. Trading you for something else, praise God. It was all part of your training, all part of God. Handling money, I had to do that, I had to do this, I had to learn how to do that. Not only in my own life, but in the church and in everything else. And you learn as you do these things. But you have to learn. Sometimes you're going to look at something you really seriously wanted, and the Holy Ghost says, don't buy that. And then we're going to have a problem, aren't we? Because you're going to be able to come up with a lot of reasons why you should buy that. And his only reason is, don't buy it. See? Ever try to rationalize things? Ever try to convince God of some things that he just doesn't understand? (laughs) Come on, misconceptions, aren't they? Yeah. Well, if I kneel down and really press in, God will do something for me. God says, I already did that for you. I don't know what you're doing that for. You really look foolish down there doing that kind of stuff. See, but all these are misconceptions, aren't they? All these are arguments with God. I hear people say all the time, I just don't know. I know God loves me, but he just won't heal me. Well, he already healed you. 2,000 years ago, the Bible says, by his stripes ye were. How I many know were might be past tense? Yeah. You were healed. You're receiving from him, see? If you could earn it, then you'd get the credit. Right. If I can earn my healing by praying enough, dancing enough, shouting enough, then I can tell everybody how to do it and how I did it and write my own book on how to receive your healing. <laughs> but it's not that way. You, you can't take credit for anything because everything the Bible says you got, you received from him. So it came as a gift to you, didn't it? And how did you do it? You just thanked him for it. You just took it, and you went. Just like last week, Parading in tongues was always on the inside of you. You know, it was already in there. You say, thank you, Lord. And you take off, and that's all there is to it. See, that's the only reason why you get it. So basically, what's he doing? He's trying to help us to manage things. Say, manage things. And this is the biggie in the kingdom of God. The biggie in the kingdom of God is something called management. Say, management. He put Adam in the garden to manage the garden. And notice, he only gave him one thing not to do. One. And how many know he did it anyway? My goodness sake. So what happened? He lost everything. He lost his authority. He lost his citizenship. He lost his rule here and reign. But then Jesus came. Glory to God. And I'll tell you what. You think you love Jesus now? Just study the kingdom and find out all the things he did for you that you never knew he did for you. And you'll love him a lot more before it's over with. (laughs) Praise God. it's all free things. That's so good about him. He's just so good. So what happened? Jesus came and put us back in our thing. And he tells us here, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Most people don't even understand the will of the Lord. So how can you pray in line with the will of the Lord so he hears you if you don't know what the will of the Lord is? Because if he only hears you when you pray in his will according to the Bible, if you don't pray according to his will, he doesn't hear you. You're praying to somebody who's not listening anyhow, and you're wasting your time. Are you following? So I need to know the will of the Lord. Is the will of the Lord health for me? Yes. Prosperity for me? Yes. Seeking first the kingdom of God? Yes. And the Bible says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall? So it's not based on whether God's going to fulfill you or not. The question is, are you going to seek? See, so it's on our side. So we're going to seek. So what's he going to do? He starts to change things on you. He's going to show you how to adjust to things. He's going to show you how to manage things. And most people, when they get born again and they get all excited, they want to manage the whole world. You know, when I got saved, praise God, I was going to foreign countries in my mind with thousands of people by the altar, just all of them there. And I was going to change the whole world like in a week, and then we could all get out of here because I had saved the whole world and all this stuff. Praise God, I didn't know that management started in my own home. It's a stupid place to start management, ain't it? (laughs) Nobody sees your wonderful performance there. They don't see what a great guy you are when you're just home. It's in your marriage, isn't it? It's in your job. See, you're the one that always shows up on time. You're the one that always works full eight hours. They don't work seven, then sit down and, and kill an hour because they're tired. See, we're different than everybody else. We manage our time. We manage our money, don't we? Yes. Everybody say yes. yes. Yeah, we manage our money, praise God. Well, we tithe. What do you do with the other 90%? Come on. See? Everything's God's the first 10% is just to get you to be a giver praise God and learn how to do that and and be like God who is a giver God so loved the world he is only begotten son So he's teaching us to be a giver but now the rest that 90% I got to find out what to do with that at the same time So God basically does not give us gifts simply because we're a good little Christian. He gives us the gifts We need to manage what he put us in to manage. I Found out I don't get what I pray for I get what I can manage in other words, if I'm praying for a million dollars and God God knows I can't manage it anyway, he ain't going to give it to me because it's going to destroy me. Yeah. Just check the people who's won lotteries. Their dream, $40 million. Now they're broke, divorced, kids are running wild, and they don't have a dime. Why is that? Because it's all management. It's all about management, praise God. So he's trying to get us to manage things. He's trying to learn how to manage our marriages, marriage our lives, our, our bodies, our everything, and your physical body. How many know you can't never exercise and eat Twinkies 24 hours a day? Things aren't going to work out. Now you can eat them sometimes. Thank God. Thank God you can eat them sometimes. Let me clarify. Find a good Twinkie, you can have it, praise God. Just don't eat a bunch of them. Yeah, because those are things there, but we want to manage our body a little bit, don't we? We want to do a little exercise now and then. We want to eat the right stuff there. We want to do things. So we've got management all over the place. We've got money. We've got cars. We've got everything where we are managing, and God wants us to make good managers of everything. Because if you recall, when he put Adam in the garden, it said there basically that for a long time, there was no growth whatsoever in that garden because there was no man to manage it. So since nobody was managing it, there was no growth. If you don't manage your money, it's not going to grow. You don't manage your marriage, it's not, marriage is not going to grow. You don't manage your job, you're not going to get anything out of it. So we want to manage it. That's what we're put here for. That's what we're supposed to do. So what's the Holy Ghost doing in this day and hour? He's dealing with our misconceptions. Watch the things you always say over and over again, because those are the things that got locked in there. And half the time, you don't even know you're saying them until somebody points out that you keep saying that. I'm just afraid it's going to happen. I'm just afraid that's going to happen. I'm just afraid that's going to happen. What about inflation? I'm just afraid that's going to happen. What about that, afraid that hurricane coming? I'm afraid it's going to come here. I'm a, you better cut that out because you're just dealing fear and fear and fear. And I'll tell you what, your kids will pick up on it. And the first thing they'll say is, I'm afraid I poop my pants. <laughs> See? Because remember, they're blanks, aren't they? They're taking everything you put in there and everybody around them is in there. And, every, and that's why... No, do do. Well, it's towards the end of the tape. If they cut me out, then at least we get the first part in. (laughs) That's why they were smart enough to attack the school systems. See, they outsmarted us, didn't they? They came in and started hitting the kids, and they knew they were blank pages, and they were writing things on their pages, that that abortion's fine, and and gay marriage is great, and all these things, and they kept writing it in there, and these people uh, started to believe it, then they got a a theory of it, and then they made it a doctrine, and once they made it a misconception and a truth, and now they're out there fighting for something they don't even know what they're fighting for and don't even understand what they're doing. Why is that? Because they were indoctrinated with that stuff. Well, we're switching things around, and we're doing it kingdom-wise now. We're going to infect the world with kingdom policy and kingdom doctrine. We're going to allow the Spirit of God to rise up on the inside of people and start changing the way they think. They're not going to need alcohol anymore. They're not going to need drugs anymore. They're not going to need all these things anymore. Marriages are going to flourish, and they're going to prosper, and they're going to be loving those marriages, and kids are going to grow up that were raised by their parents. You want to school to raise your kids? Good luck. You're going to have some trouble. No, you've got to raise those kids. Praise God. You've got to tell them what's right and wrong. You've got to straighten them out. And you better check the school you send them to. Because there are schools out there. Then there are schools out there. And you want to put them in a good school. Praise God. Hallelujah. So things are changing. What's changing? The way that we think. Our misconceptions are changing. The way that we look at things are changing. And it all comes out of spending time in this Word of God and the Spirit of God that's on the inside of each and every one of us. There's churches out there who don't even believe the kingdom of God is going to come until they die and go to heaven. Do you know that? As soon as I die and go to heaven, I'll be in the kingdom with another. They're going to waste 30, 40 years down here doing absolutely nothing for the kingdom of God whatsoever. There's no purpose, no plan in their life. So, of course, they're discouraged. Of course, they're disappointed. Why wouldn't you be when you're not even close to doing what you're supposed to do and what you're put here to be? And they don't know why they're here. But every one of them is trying to live longer. See, why do people commit suicide? No purpose. Well, I'm fed up. I can't take this anymore. That's it for me. I'm out of here. But praise God, it's changing. The kingdom of God is infiltrating. It's like a seed in the ground. It may be the smallest seed right now, but it's going to grow up, praise God. Hallelujah. And it's going to turn into a tree in the people's hearts and people's lives. So you say, I don't know about much about the kingdom now. Well, you also needs a small seed. And it'll start growing, and it'll start growing, and you'll start changing. And you'll start thinking, and you get to a place where you're living in righteousness, in peace, and in joy in the... Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for what you're doing in our minds and hearts. Go ahead, Holy Ghost. Keep correcting us. Keep changing us. Keep us lining up with the word of God. Hallelujah. We'll be your people that go out, and we'll teach this person and that person and this couple and that couple and our families and everybody else that will listen to us. We thank you for the power of God in our hearts and on our minds, and we give you praise for this day and all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen.